You're listening to the Halfling 13 Gaming Podcast, made possible by the generous support of listeners such as yourself. If you enjoy this content, please like and subscribe. The Rise of the Rune Lords is a Pathfinder RPG campaign published by Paizo Publishing. Chapter 3, The Hook Mountain Massacre. Last left off, you guys had gone down into the depths of the dam in order to explore and find out the cause for why the machinery isn't working. Uh, the dwarf, or the halfling, and the gnome had gotten separated after deciding to loot for a bit and are checking out various rooms and getting concerned about areas that smell a bit of vegetation and may or may not want to be opened, etc. But you found a couple of things of value. Um, Valeros is currently lost in the swamp. At the end of the last game, you guys had triggered a trap, construct, whatever, a skull taker that had ended up killing the rogue and then attempting to kill attempted to kill several other people. Search around. You don't find anything else of note in this room. Okay, so the, pal- the paladin, the dwarf, and the barbarian go upstairs, which leaves the priest and the wizard here. The three of you head upstairs. Um, and not surprisingly, you find the door shut. Not sure when it shut, how it shut, or anything like that. It was difficult enough to open assistance. without their assistance. Yeah. Okay, so between the three of you and stre- stretching and straining on it, you're eventually able to force it open um, enough that you can get probably a single person through at a time. It seems to want to close on its own, at least from this side. Um, and looking out, you see the halfling and the gnome and the cat just sort of hanging out, sitting there saying, Hi, what's hey up? you guys. We, uh, we, get over we need your help. We just heard a creep, like, get over We need our champion. Yeah, you get guys are here. sitting there in the dark, in the troll lair and everything, when you hear a cracking sound by the door, and then it slowly starts to open. Yeah. Guys, come on. We're in Call me your kitty, kitty, kitty. So you guys head back downstairs. So, you guys want to open the other door? Yeah. Sure. All right. I'll go ahead and open the door. You swing the door open. Inside is a dark room that smells vaguely of sulfur. You step in. Um, there's a narrow chamber that ends on either side with a pair of curved alcoves. Each alcove is enclosed by a dull iron portcullis. There is a winch next to each that appears to be a way to raise or lower each gate. Beyond each portcullis, there is a circle of runes of magical writing glowing with a faint orange light on the floor. The circle on your left, in the middle of it, there is simply a pile of crimson ash. And on the other side, there is what appears to be a... Your, your initial thought is it looks like a devil or a demon. Laying on the ground, appears to be dead. Its flesh is pulled uh, bone tight and looks dry and almost cracked. Step in and get, a little close, get right by that before I call it to see if there's any reaction. Neither of you recognize what kind of demon it is, but it definitely looks to be a, a devil. Creature seems to be alive, or at least it's moving ever so slightly. Um, as the barbarian moves up, you see one of its claws, clawed hands, like like clenched a little bit. It it seems like the creature is barely able to move. 
Beware barbarian to lie. The circle of runes that he is in and the pile of amber ash or whatever is up for the other one, both of them appear to be runes of trapping, basically. It'd be like the sort of thing that you would summon a demon or devil into and prevent them from leaving. Okay, I got language of infernal. But they can speak anything. Okay. So, okay. yeah, you t- you talk to it. It seems able to hear you, and it tries to raise its head and look back towards you, but doesn't seem to be able to move that much. The wizard steps up to speak to it. Who are you? Why you are here? Why are you here? The creature reacts much stronger to that, and it seems to be able to or force itself up onto its knees where it turns back toward it turns towards you. If it was standing, it looks like it would barely fit into this room. Um, easily a good 10 feet tall, but it looks like, I mean, you, you guys could tell that if it was healthy, it'd be a very imposing whenever the dam is activated once that man. Every time there's a flood, that's why it's, it's, why it's an automatic. And, uh... That's why. Yeah, he's a power source. Yes, but the companion died, remember? That means mm-hmm. that means it does not have right. enough power. Right. And from what you can tell, that matches up with your knowledge of history. The last time there was a major flood in this area was about 45 years ago. Okay. Can I use my detect evil? Yeah, he is most certainly evil. Well, ask him what kind of <laughs> demon he is, like what species. Well, what kind of, what species of devil? There's different species of. There are lots of different ones. Okay, Paladin's up to speed on this stuff. Um, He says he is a what what's called a pit fiend. He is unable to escape as long as the runes are intact. Release me, I will grant you a wish. He says to you alone, because nobody else can speak his language. He has offered the wizard who has shared with the group, he is offering a wish to whoever is willing to let him free. Before or after he's let free? It, oh, that's well, he it, can't use any of his powers uh, until after he's free. Let me rain some frogs <clears throat> in there. So you cast rain of frogs. You hear a cascade of rivets coming from the roof, and then frogs start raining down from the roof into that little section. They basically fill that whole ten-foot section there. As the spell coalesces and the cluster of frogs drops to the ground, there is a burst of energy from both sides. The frogs are all instantly killed. Okay, So you have a ten-foot section filled with shards smelly frog bodies. <laughs> and on the other side, the demon cries out, No! And then bursts into flame. All that's left is a red red pile of ash. Oh, no. Nice. Okay, so let's go okay. out here and take a look. Outside, <laughs> in the meantime, you hear, all of you hear a low rumbling sound in the dam. The, the rumbling goes on for a couple, for a minute or so, and then stops, and you can hear like a, like a dull roar or whatever that you guys had previously just sort of gotten accustomed to with being in the dam and everything and it's it's subsiding it's now the place is now becoming quiet again okay you guys go back there on the dam the water level on the dam has dropped significantly already and the red light has stopped blinking and you can you the little skulls and everything on it are actually open and there's water pouring out from one level to another and everything the dam appears to be fully functional at this point. Way to go, frog man. 
No. <laughs> and Turtleback Ferry is the ones that asked you to do it, so okay. you, you would need to report back to them and let you know, hey, you guys are safe, because right now they're still in panic mode. The dam's about to break anytime. Well, where's Turtleback to send us out here? Uh, about a half day's walk back. I'd say we go back to Turtleback, collect our money, rest up, recharge. I think we should just rest where we're at at this moment. Agreed. Okay. Thank so you. Okay. Okay. I have a relatively safe. Sounds you just want to just camp here? Sure. Night goes by. You guys reflect back. on your activities and realize you guys have gone up a level. Uh, you guys get back to town or beforehand or whatever. You get the. You take some of the rogue's bunny, raise her. Um, you come back with. So, with what we got currently, guys, we got. We got the. Uh, his, uh, his journey. His journey. We have to do something for that, right? Yeah. Ac according to him, the the dead fairies in the forest um, are threatening to kill everybody in this region unless you recover Lamatar. Well, if we go to Hook Mountain and succeed there, then we could take two. See, if Ben would have not went in there. Right. Well, we also have that Ogrekin threat. Well, right. That's not that's a, threat. Right. Yeah, well, we should. The ogre are quite. Now, well, the ogre threat is more of a side thing. Right. I mean, if you guys got the time and interest and need something to do, by all means, go deal with the ogre But the fact that they pill off, they pick off a straggler every so often, Not that big compared to the Fey Kingdom threatening an invasion and slaughter of all living creatures, yeah. it's probably a bigger threat. And that nymph could end. And they believe that he. Is that See, if you wouldn't well, we would have been okay. Um, we don't know that. The wound could have ended and we never knew it. So they believe Lamatar is in Atlacom. According to the specter of the Fae that, that he talked to, she said that the that Lamatar is with the ogres at Hook Mountain. Oh, okay, well, I'm commence. cool with going to Hook Mountain. That's that. Oh, yeah. And subsequently healed and so forth, so she's fine. I've got the bell giants to it, and so. It is most of a day's hike to where you guys are going, to the Hook Mountain. Okay, the Barbarian and the Druid. Fair, as you guys are heading out, you guys quickly find hunting trails and things like that. It looks like paths as you guys go out into the wilderness that the ogres have been using with some regularity. It makes your travel quite a bit faster and a little bit easier. However, given that ogres are so much bigger than normal people, Several of the areas are a bit more hazardous for you little guys. They, the path climbs rapidly into the mountains and the temperature drops quickly. Within the first hour or two, there is snowfall and snow on the ground, ice on the rocks, and very steep cliff walkways and everything that the ogres have been using. You head out and fairly quickly, you follow the trails and they go, like I said, up up into the mountains where it's icy and snowy and so forth and fairly quickly you realize the paladin is not going to make it he's not going to survive this climb whatsoever so you guys have to backtrack and double back on yourself and so forth and it adds a surprisingly significant amount of time given how bad of a mountain climber he is the first night you feel like you've barely made any progress when you guys camp, uh, make camp in the snow and ice, is anybody going to do watches or how um, are you going to sleep? Actually, before we before we go to sleep, I have a spell for the camp. Web shelter. So that first night, as you guys are starting to to settle in, 
Um, George goes up to one of the cliff faces, casts a spell, and you see a large 10-foot diameter globe appear dangling and uh, held between the rocks and everything, like a gigantic spider egg. Um, he crawls underneath it and opens up, a, peels open this little doorway and climbs inside, offers shelter to anybody else who cares to sleep inside the spider egg. <laughs> By morning, approximately nine hours after you guys climb in, the webs collapse and drop you to the ground, waking everybody up. <laughs> you guys continue on Pretty much, I'm assuming, the same pattern, um, making a new web each night as, as you go further into the mountains. It takes you about four days because of all the backtracking in um, order to get where you were trying to get to. You finally crest the rack, last outcrop about a half mile away from Hook Mountain's 10,000-foot peak. In the distance, you see the, the, the hill goes down towards what looks like a large cave that has some black, foul-looking smoke pouring out of, the, out of the front of it. You're probably a couple hundred yards away from it right now. There are dead trees and rocks and everything between you and them. It's not just open terrain. But if you guys are over here, the mountain comes over here, and there is a large cave. Isn't this the clan hold? Yes. This is where you guys believe the clan hold itself is. Should we go in there? From what you have heard and from the stories the bard has kept you up late listening to, the Kriegs and the ogres live within the cave and they use it as their as their home. And you would have to go into there in order to deal with them. The place is dirty, obviously has been treated by ogres for years. It's all, everything, all vegetation, all trees, everything's dead in this area. It's all been smashed and so forth. You see standing just inside the cave, there appears to be two ogre-sized creatures, heavily coated in furs and similar leathers and so forth to protect them from the cold. They appear to be standing guard and keeping a lookout. What time of day is it right now? Um... Early morning. Yeah, you guys just recently got up. I do have the arcane eye, so if you want to use that, check out the cave, which will probably do it. Yeah. You guys are here, about 900 feet or so away. Okay, so where the, the giants are right in the entrance. Well, I'd say 30 feet behind them. Okay, as far into the cave as you can. Okay. So you cast your spell. Your eye pop, eyeball pops in right here. You get a sense of your orientation and everything. You see the two ogres here. Like I said, they're heavily covered in furs and so forth to protect themselves from the cold. They're all heavily armed, and they appear to be alert and paying attention. However, they have no clue that there's an arcane eye suddenly behind them. Right here, there is what looks like the rib cage of a gigantic creature placed into the entrance. You recognize it as the bones of a blue dragon. Um, long since dead, obviously, it's just the bones. But they the the rib cage towers 20 feet up off the ground over the entrance, making sort of an archway into the area. Beyond it, as you go further in, right here, there is an enormous statue. It is a a statue of a 40-foot-tall giant 
with black skin covered in fissures and cracks like the bed of a dried river. The statue is wearing majestic armor. It's gilded and crusted with gems, and he's holding a, a towering glaive in his armored fists. I would say that that's the boss As of this Like place. a halberd. The giant's face is hidden by a full helmet, which is forged into a sneering grimace of a fanged devil. Around the giant's neck hangs a medallion, probably a good three feet across, of a seven-pointed star that matches, I believe, the one you wear. Now beyond it, the passageway turns over this way and looks like it descends downward into the mountain. Um, it is, the tunnel here is lit poorly by torches that are burning. You don't recognize what what the creature is supposed to be. I mean, obviously a giant, but I mean, in comparison, the ogres are eight to ten feet tall. This statue's forty feet tall. Well, I'll go further in. Let's see what's in. Beyond there, the passageway angles downward and then splits. Off to the right, it looks like it opens into a room or chamber. Off to the left, it curves a bit and continues down. Anything in the right chamber? There is a deep pit choked with soot, and the it seems to be the source of the black smoke rising up from the hole. How far can we go to the left? Off to the left, it goes down. In this room, there are a pair of ogres and another large creature. You recognize it as a hill giant. They're standing there. The ogres are talking. They seem to be ignoring the hill giant. There is smoke coming from the passageway on your left. You go into the next chamber over here. It is a very large chamber. Within, there is fires burning and thick black smoke. Smoke is coming from black pits in the bedrock where forge fires are glowing. There's anvils scattered around the room, and several large ogres are here. They look to have been um, beaten and abused, more like they're slaves rather than regular members of the tribe, pounding away at giant blades and other weapons and things like that. There are several tunnels that lead out of here that look like it leads deep into the mountain in sort of a mine complex. There are numerous beds or blankets here where it looks like they sleep, work, eat everything here. And they, okay, they, they seem hard at work at making weapons. There is, like I said, there are ten ogres here plus at least one that seems to be directing them and whipping them when they run a little slow. The guy was What's down here? The next passageway oh, not- runs into a uh, smaller cave cluttered with body parts, dead animals, what looks like food that's rotting and other filth. As you go in, you find a bubbling and cooking cauldron over a large fire in the middle of the room. You spot three ogres, you think. You are not able to recognize them, or at least what they are. There's three of them. They appear to be female. They are hunched backs, the same size as ogres or the giants you've seen, but much more emaciated and skinny. They're covered with warts 
Their skin is a deep blue or almost black-like color. One of them is stirring the cauldron. A couple other ones are, are one's cutting open some sort of an animal on the shelf. The third one's staring right at you and then waves his hand and your, your arcane eye is destroyed. So you guys circle around without much difficulty. Like I said, there's plenty of cover, even though some of you are not very stealthy. Between this blowing snow, rocks, debris, etc., you guys circle around fairly easily. When you get to here, you're maybe 300 feet or so away now from the cave. You guys all move up to about the 200 feet distance or so. The three of you break off from the rest of the group and move cautiously up to the ogres. So you sneak up to the edge. The ogres peer out into the whirling snow. Neither of them appear to react to your presence. So now you want to cast your spell. And my understanding is it's like a group of hunters or whatever that came over the hill at the maximum range and are making noise and being clumsy, etc. to distract the ogres. Okay. Sure, and they're fat. You do that, and the two ogres, it takes a moment or two before they realize there's anybody out there because it's so far out. They are talking between themselves, saying, hey, look, fat humans. One of them says, I'm hungry. The other one says, we can't abandon our post. Maybe we should go tell Marl. No, no, last last time he ripped that guy's legs off. Why don't we just go eat him? We can't abandon our post. They both resist the temptation, and the two of them, after a few a few moments of hemming and hawing, finally agree that if they're going to get in trouble, it's better for both of them to get in trouble. So they pick up their ogre hook, abandon their post, and start marching out into the snow. You guys see the ogres start heading out. All of you, in five rounds or less, manage to get up to here at the entrance. Yeah, they're so focused on the fat hunters that they're not even looking. They, they, they don't even bother to look back once. You guys get up to here, you have approximately a minute before the ogres react to the semi-stationary hunters. The place is lit poorly with torches. There is a very foul smell on the smoke just emanating from the place. It, it smells more like oil and grease than any sort of bad cooking. As soon as it hits the doorway or the opening, the wind immediately disperses the smoke and everything else. There's enough of a, of a, of a wind here with the snow. You hear in the distance the clanging of metal on, metal on metal. Giant bones here that the wizard claims are dragon bones guarding the entrance. And then this immense 40-foot statue there's nothing else of direct note here. So the rest of you crowd into the cave. There is a tunnel that heads to the right. As you guys go in here, the tunnel descends maybe 15 feet or so down rough stairs. To the right, there is a large or a cavern with a large hole in the middle. The other passageway curves into the left further in. You can hear ogre voices from down the other tunnel. A couple of them appear to be grumbling over somebody they they keep referring to as Barl um, and how he's been mis- mistreating everybody. You have about 30 seconds or so before the ogres are going to realize something's up. The hole is a deep pit carved out of the hard stone that descends into soot and darkness. There is a stale reek of decay that that comes up from the depths below. The walls and everything are covered with black soot, like there's been lots of fire from inside the, t- the hole. The barbarian and the dwarf, somewhere in the distance outside the cave, you hear a loud, frustrated shout. If we rush out to meet him, or if we at least meet him by the entrance, it might still be 
not loud enough to get all the other ogres mm -hmm. involved. Yeah. I'm good with that. I'm going to do this little concealing trick. I'm going to take some snow and cover myself in it and sit against the wall. So you're going to go over here and try to bear, try to conceal yourself with the snow? Yeah, I'm going to take okay. snow, bury it aware of me, and act like Paul the wall. The ogres are maybe 300 feet away, moving quickly back towards the cave entrance. The ogres come running in. You're not really hiding or anything. Nope. So they, they get back to the cave, and around before they get there, they spot you, roar out a battle cry, and then Ooh, charge straight forward. Carter, you are first as they issue out a battle cry. I'll move behind the door. I'm not seeing yet because I know Jennifer. George shoots an arrow. It flies out. The ogre is moving too fast to avoid it, but it bounces off his hide as you miss. He takes four points as a second arrow or second crossbow bolt flies out and strikes him in the chest. Doesn't seem to slow down his charge. Andy. I will brace with that vicious adamantium. It's their turn. As expected, they charge. First one charges and swings his ogre hook at you. He hits, his ogre hook does 26 points of damage. The other one, unaware of these two people out here, charges, swings his ogre hook, 18 points. They seem frustrated or upset about something. Not sure what. You sneak up, the ogre's completely oblivious to the fact you're there, and you can make your attack against him. You step up, slash a major artery in his leg, takes 28 points of damage, and he is now bleeding 5 points of damage every round. Craig, the ogres in the other room, that you can hear them, but they do not appear to be aware of the combat as of yet. My weapon's out, and I'll tell the wizard and the cleric. Uh, ben. Get him from behind. You're going to attempt to do the same thing the rogue just did? Yeah. The ogre unfortunately spots you as you come in. He turns on you and takes a swipe at you with his ogre hook for his attack of opportunity. 25 points of damage. George fires one, a, two, a pair of arrows at one of them. One of the arrows misses. And then Valero steps out of the shadow, takes a swipe from the guy's ogre hook, and then gut, nearly guts the guy with a with a critical hit to the chest. Both ogres are still up and fighting. Jason. I think they got this under control. I will just scooch up towards the other thing to keep my ears opening for the other. Keith. I'm good. Jenny. It's Carter. I'll move over to you shoot your rock, it goes wide and misses him. George. I'm gonna shoot him. Second crossbow bolt flies out of the cave, striking the one on the right again. So Andy, the first ogre charges up to you, gets gutted in the leg by the rogue, and then impales himself on the trident. <laughs> he barely goes down. No. Okay. Second attack. You slaughter the first one. It goes down and is dying. The other one gets stabbed for quite a bit of damage, is still up and fighting. The ogres go. He takes a step back. Oh. Is that? No, it's not a back foot. It's just a five foot step. Um, he pulls a horn from his side. Oh, no, no. And blows it. Now it's time to sing, Carter. Now no. it's time. Uh, Jennifer. What? Got a 16. Okay, that's a miss. You got a second attack, though. That's a miss as well. Rogue is intimidated by the ogres. Does not strike at all. Craig, give me a perception check. Seven. The ogres inside the cave do not appear to be reacting to the horn. We said the ogres I'm going inside to move the back. cave. I'm going to take a couple steps The ogres back. inside the cave do not appear to be reacting to the horn. Ben. 
I am going to coos at him in Voizian, and I am going to stab, Ten stab, stab. Okay. So your first sword hit him. He is up, but staggered. He's starting to totter a bit. He gets another. Second, so your second attack? 24. 24. So you hit him with your second strike. 16. Okay, that is enough to finish that ogre off. Jason. Do I hear anything? You hear the sounds of activity, okay. like drawing drawing weapons and loud footsteps approaching from around the corner. Alright. So I can make it to hear you, sir? Sure, right in the cat. Yeah. But Keith, you're fairly certain something's coming down the hallway, too. Move me back a little bit in line. Paladin backs away towards the wizard. The wizard says, I'm not having any of that. Backs away from the paladin and puts up a force field to protect himself. Jenny. It's a 17 point. She steps up and at least heals some of your wounds. Carter. I'm going to move up next to the barbarian. George. Druid ran into the tunnel. The wizard's moving out of the tunnel, so it's sort of contradictory. You're not really sure whether it's safe or not safe. So you move twice. Mm-hmm. The dwarf follows you in, bravely, blindly into the tunnel. And Cure light wounds. Okay. okay. I'm going to move uh, my 40 down, you, all the way down by the path. You see several ogres. That guy's fat. And a hill giant come around the corner. They see you and go for the first ones they see, which would be cat and gnome. And they move up to here. This guy moves over to here and rips a chunk off the wall. And this guy moves over to there as they close in on the group. And that's where we'll stop for this week. been listening to the halfling 13 gaming podcast for more information please visit us on the internet at halfling13.com if you enjoyed this content please like and subscribe